Well, good evening. Um, I wanted to play another song, but the soundboard isn't loading right now, so <laughs> it's going to be, I guess, maybe one of those nights, um, because we definitely had some interesting tracks uh, to play, and also I wanted to stall for a little bit longer, but we don't have that opportunity. And so here we are um, to another episode of Revolutionary Tracks. We're waiting on Karthik to come in, but already we do have our guest in, uh, who is a journalist. He is a former Army veteran, or you know, Army veteran, I guess, but you know, a former Army Ranger. And I'm hoping that he knows that he can hit the unmute button in the bottom right. Mac, are you with us? Yes, I am, my friend. Um, and I, ah. I was just—I was just a paratrooper, not a ranger. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't want to. I don't want anybody coming for me, like saying Slow stolen down. valor and shit. No, I want to give you. I want to give you. Uh, so, like I said, Mac was a space paratrooper door gunner. Yeah, um, that was me. For that was me. Yes, uh, and you worked with Master Chief, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he and I are tight. Um, my armor's still in the closet. I don't know if I can get into it anymore, but, you know, shit happens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, uh, and we are, you know, we're, we're long-time friends now, right? We've been uh, COVID friends for 30 years now. Um, it, it has been about 30, um, but in real years, I think it's, what, going on three now? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, uh, we had first kind of been introduced because, um, there was, uh, a member of the unit you were in who was a terrible, a horrible war criminal, um, who had been convicted and then Trump pardoned, um, and then you had come out with, you know, some of the other members of the unit told that story. Um, and you've been going on and doing uh, some of your own journalism as well as, you know, I know that you got, uh, some some podcasting things coming up, but why we brought you here is because as a, uh, you know, self-described baby historian, um, a kind of just talk a little bit around background on gun legislation, gun laws. Um, but then also kind of talking about the gun culture, which I think you and I, and like, you know, <laughs> you coming from army infantry, me Marine Corps infantry can understand where this comes from um but i don't think we could have even really understood the 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 um ramifications of of some of the things that are going on um yeah i mean and that that's the kicker in all this is that because of our militarized culture and this kind of uh glamorization of military service i think it only exacerbates the problem of the like the the like what you would call gun culture, right? It only makes it, you know, it, it pumps it up to 10. Um, and and that, that's the sad part, right? Uh, you know, we, we glamorize military service. You know, we already have this, this idea that everybody should be armed. And when you get in the military, it just, <laughs> I mean, how many guys did you know in your platoon that were like, you know what, fuck it. I'm going to go out, like they get their bonus or, you know, they go out on leave and they come back fucking like RoboCop. You know, <laughs> it's, it's yeah. ridiculous, man. Yeah. 
No, and that's um, I think one of the worst things that we'll probably get into, you know, is that like when you get into actual like gun violence, um, yeah, and uh, I've I've instances, and I you know wouldn't be too surprised if you would too, but um, most there's a lot of people you ended up using it on yourself. Um, yeah, because like, suicide is uh, it's about half of the you know gun deaths, um, but. Before we kind of get into too deep with that, like uh, I think it's 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 worth understanding that gun laws, gun restrictions, you know, uh, in it on you know like United States soil, right? Because this is going back to you know the pre, you know any any real form of you know like government, you know, or, or like well, federalized government here. Um, so like just colonial times, they're there were gun restrictions. It was just made sure that, you know, the you defended like white people defended themselves from slaves or indigenous people. Yeah, and, I mean, that's that's yeah, well, kills me. You, you got to think um, under the Articles of Confederation, and then eventually the Bill of Rights and the Constitution. You know, if you are a person of color, um, you know you essentially weren't allowed to be armed. Uh, when you go back to the French and Indian War, which took place from 1757 to 1763, you had the imperial powers, you know, France and England, that allied themselves with certain indigenous groups and they traded weapons to them, right? Well, when the English, you know, won um, and the French essentially gave up a, a large swath of their, you know, colonies here uh, in North America, um, you know, the English essentially started disarming indigenous groups. Um, and I'm talking like they, they essentially did the, the, you know, the world's first gun buyback program. Like, hey, if you give us the rifles we gave you or the muskets we gave you, you know, we'll give you, uh, you know, essentially commercial items, you know, blankets, clothing, uh, booze, of course, uh, was heavily traded. You know, so like they bent over backwards to ensure that if you were a person of color, uh, you didn't have access to the same means of defense that white settler, you know, colonialists had. Uh, okay, that's good, right? Oh, I wonder why that is, though, right? Wonder why they wouldn't want people of color to have. Huh. Guns. Strange. Um, strange, huh? Strange. Yeah. <laughs> very strange. You know, in this place of freedom and liberty, democracy and stuff like that. Um, so in that light, though, I think we can see that it was very much like some of these laws, and even like the Second Amendment, was in this kind of like communal territorial defense. Um, in, from, you know, the people that they were literally trying to genocide off the fucking land. Um, but, uh, that is, you know, over time, and especially like when you're talking about modern day politics, um, it so quickly shifts from things like, you know, Ronald Reagan <laughs> and, and, you know, setting up these uh, strict gun laws in, in, in California to basically just uh, combat uh, the Black Panthers um, to now, you know, every Republican frothing at the mouth you know, screaming shall not be infringed. And then somehow, you know, the quote unquote originalists in the Supreme Court are taking on a law 
that is from like what like the 80s or something when in the hell are yeah i believe so i mean and the thing to get back to reagan really quick this is the ironic part of of him right like you said he passed draconian gun laws when he was governor of california right and then when he took the white house though what did he do he loosened up regulations of firearms uh because that was i mean this is when we really saw the Republican Party really lean into the fact, like you said, shall not be infringed, uh, while ignoring the rest of the, you know, amendment, which says in support of a well-trained and regulated militia, you know, so like the Second Amendment is the shortest one and uh, it, half of it's ignored by whether we want to admit it or not, a Republican Party um, and Republican supporters that make up the power block, the main power block here because of the conservative judicial strategy of the last 40 or 50 years, right? Like they knew if they packed the courts with conservative judicial appointees that they didn't need to be in power. They could literally just lean on the, you know, the judicial system um, and, and wait their turn to, you know, to get back into office and have the majorities in the house, the Senate and, you know, in the white house. So like, it's, it's, it's fucking nuts, um, you know, that, uh, you know, for me, you know, like you said, the baby historian here, you know, to see the kind of turnaround on weapons uh, from Reagan as governor to ushering in this this essentially um, like wide open free for all. Anybody can have a weapon, you know, now. And it really kicked off under Reagan. Reagan kicked off a lot of bad things, you know, deregulating the bank sector, crushing organized labor you know he that man is is celebrated for being one of the worst people on the fucking planet who did far more damage to this country than anybody on the right will ever admit yeah well and i think i think the most messed up thing about reagan's history is that (laughs) some of the people who praise him the most are democrats (laughs) and uh I mean, dude, did you see, did you see that Dr. Jill Biden and the Postmaster General are really pumped because they're making a Nancy Reagan stamp? Oh well, see now if we're getting <laughs> the throat goat Nancy Reagan, <laughs> now we like that that she deserved the stamp. I know I, now I know easy there, easy. Okay, <laughs> you can't just overlook. The queen like that. No, but like, no, <laughs> that's not, not surprising. Right. And like, I see if it was a Ronald Reagan fucking stamp that, you know, yeah, said fuck black people, you know, a little quote, Joe Biden would still say it's a great addition to the, the, the Postal Service legacy. Right. Oh, so, yeah. It, it, you know, it doesn't matter. Um, but. Uh, but no, and now I think. And actually, I'm hoping that, no, it sucks because we have this song that's like all about the Second Amendment and it just really, really encompasses (laughs) how insane things are getting or have gotten already. Um, And and it's really too, and so you see this, it's not so much this, hey, we need to defend our community from you know 
the out, uh, you know, the outside invaders, you know, some people think, but, you know, essentially it's like they're defending the community from slave uprisings in some cases, <laughs> you know, that's, but that's the idea. Like, how do we, you know, go from some, oh, we're defending our community um, from dangerous people um, to, I, you know, it goes to, I have a personal right to carry the gun because at any point in time, my life could be in threat and I deserve, you know, it's my right, constitutional right to have a gun to defend yourself, right? And that doesn't really make a whole lot of fucking sense in, you know, just basic reality, you know, um, but it's pushing the point now where, right, where you have kids being able to access, buy guns, shoot up schools. You've got people traveling all types of distances, you know, and that's it too. It's like, like, I don't forget like Rittenhouse, right? Of like, you know, why are you driving to go? Why are you going to a protest with the AR-15 and say you're, you know, like what, like what, why? And the thing is, is these are normalized and the cops are a part of it fucking, you know, part of it too in, in that case. Um, but you know, well, I mean, let's look, let's look at this historically, yeah. right? Um, you know, 1794, we had the Militia Act, which essentially formed the basis of, around which state militias would be built, right? And it said that anybody from, and I'm, I'm, I might get the age bracket here wrong, but it was like 17 to 45, twice a month, you were supposed to get together, go drill with, with you know, the, the musket and eventually the rifle that you had. Um, you know, because again, in the second amendment, it says a well-trained and regulated militia, right? And this is at a time where, you know, the, the now very young, newly founded United States was very skeptical of a standing army, right? Um, the, you know, the military, as we know it now, didn't exist until after, uh, the second world war, you know, uh, even after the first world war, where we still had a lot of international entanglements, you know, things like that. Uh, we went down to a very rump military with the exception of the United States Navy um, after the First World War because it was expensive to maintain. Um, it wasn't seen as a worthwhile endeavor if you're not, you know, at war. You didn't need a, a completely trained force. You just needed a, a trained cadre of leaders uh, who would then go and train uh, draftees, right? Well, in 1933, we have the National Firearms Act. And if anybody doesn't know about this, this is what really restricted access to things like automatic weapons. Uh, and this was passed in lieu, or excuse me, because of the violence that had really started popping off in the early 1930s connected to organized crime, right? And at the time, mobsters weren't illegally procuring weapons. They were literally ordering them through catalogs, right? Like you could order a Tommy gun, a Thompson submachine gun uh, through like a Sears and Roebuck catalog in the 20s and 30s. Um, you know, so Roosevelt and his New Deal uh, administration passed the NFA over a lot of opposition from his own party. And it limited uh, people to essentially rifles, um, you know, pistols at that point. Um, you know, weren't easily accessible. Um, but after 33, you see a real loosening of gun laws. Um, you know, sorry about that, Marcus. 
Um, but you see this real loosening of gun laws and gun legislation, and it really kind of picked up steam in the 80s. Um, then we had the, you know, the essentially the semi-automatic rifle ban that lapsed under Bush. And then you saw the real explosion of what they would turn, you know, military style weapons, AKs, uh, AR platforms, things like that, that became very mainstream and were readily available, uh, you know, and not just in gun stores, um, you know, but you can get, you know, until a couple years ago, you could get ARs at Walmart. You know, like it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's nuts to see how um, we, we went from, you know, uh, 1933 with the NFA to really restricting, uh, you know, access to weapons to now it's, I mean, like if you and I had enough money, we can legally ask for a license to, to purchase an automatic weapon, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, that, no. That's nuts to me. That is nuts to me. <laughs> And that and that's always like makes me think of like there's this this huge like shooting extravaganza, you know that where like you can be on a wait list to shoot a um, a minigun, and yeah, if you're not it's, familiar it's, with it's what a minigun is, it's, yeah, it's 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 the spinny it's the spinny gun right that shoots like a thousand bullets in a in a few seconds, um, so. Uh, and I think Karthik, Karthik has made it in. So, um, I don't know if Karthik wants to say what's up. Hello. Maybe he's there or not there. Yeah, can you guys hear me? Oh, yep. Hey, what's up? Yeah, how are you, man? Yeah, I'm all right. Uh, pleasure to meet you. And I'm really sorry that I walked in uh, come like extremely late. It's just like I've had some trouble uh, logging into the app. I don't know if you you are having like some glitches as well. Uh, but how yeah. you? How's it going? Good. The soundboard was glitching uh, and like just just wasn't there for a second, um, but it just actually came in. Um, so we can uh, play this like two A track. Um, oh yeah, nice. All right. Pistol on my waist and my rifles in the safe with a shotgun on the wall with lots of shells up in the case. I got that pistol on my waist and my rifles in the safe with a shotgun on the wall with lots of shells up in the case. I got that pistol on my waist, on my waist, I got that pistol on my waist, on my waist, I got that pistol on my waist and my rifles in the safe with a shotgun on the wall with lots of shells up in the case. I got that dressing on. So girls with lots of ammo got me feeling like I'm Rambo. Yeah, my flow too hot to handle. Ho, if you want some violence, couple shots and then the sirens. Man, they used to run their mouth. Now all I hear is silence. Pistol packing, jaw jacking, head up of the mantelpiece. Toe tagging, body bag. It got a problem, kill the beast. Getting violent, start a riot, go to war, fuck the beast. Go insane and break the chain. Rebel son, I am a beast. Never back down, no one's go hard, motherfucker never tap out Really living what these fake boys won't rap out Redneck knuckles just in case you wanna ask out See me in the sticks, probably where you never had Run from a fight, who me? Nah, never that Stop on your face like some boots in a welcome mat Anybody wanting hell, yeah, we can handle that it's, it's, it's my right to carry this to me Our sweet extended clips and you can't ban it If you wish and I will show you what to kiss my ass My rice, ain't nobody taking what's mine My life, my pride, double dog damn motherfucker to try I mean, Mac, I don't know what your reaction to that is, but 
that that's America. Like, I mean, dude, this, this is what kills me that that kind of gun ownership's normal. Like, I don't know if you saw what happened North of St. Louis yesterday. Um, but this guy goes into a store, a grocery store, open carrying a rifle. He walks out, another armed person robbed him of his rifle. Um, and then the dude who had his rifle taken from him ran to his car, grabbed his pistol, and they had a shootout in the parking lot where two women were hit. Right. Like, yeah, I heard about this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's one. Why do you need weaponry to go grocery shopping? Um, you know, I have privately owned weapons and I've got a concealed carry permit and I never carry. Um you know, it was honestly a more expedited means of me purchasing a pistol. Uh, but like, I just like going to the range and shooting. Um, I never really thought to carry it as like a flex because, you know, I can, uh, you know, when I think about people open carrying like long guns, I think of that douchebag at the subway in Raleigh who, who wore a training AT4 uh, and had like two leg panels on his, on his jorts um just to get a sandwich you know and yeah. i'm like what the fuck is wrong with you people man and it, 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 this is like it doesn't i don't it doesn't make any sense it doesn't make any sense you know and like <laughs> but it's and this is where i like it becomes a culture right of like these are just the actions that i'm supposed to take this is what makes a man or some you know um and it just, you know, it, it feeds in, you know, it feeds into some type of, I don't know, right, need that, I don't know, like most people have, I guess, have some type of fucking control, you know. Um, but at the end of the day, it's just a whole lot of nonsense, but it's extremely dangerous, you know. Like, these aren't pogs. This is not Pokemon Go. Yeah. Like, this, these, these things do one thing. You know, as much as you want to say, oh, it's defense, oh, it's this, oh, it's that. Not, like, it's just there to kill people, right? And there's different like, scenarios in which case they're utilized, right? Like, that's it. I mean, speaking sports of cult- shooting isn't used. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Like, sports shooting yeah, go ahead, go ahead, is using these guns, you know? So it's like that, that doesn't really add up for me. I mean, even even speaking of culture, um, I don't know if you already spoke about it coming in, but I feel like this news is like extremely new. There is there has been a shooting at a medical building in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Multiple injuries, some killed, and the gunman has been shot. Um, and this is happening as we speak. This is breaking news. Um, and uh, speaking of which, I also wanted to kind of touch on in the song, especially uh, like how like in, in gangster rap, especially in the present day, you start like seeing, hearing stuff about, uh, you know, killing people and like uh, whatever, like shooting them dead, etc. Um, it kind of feels extremely jarring when you hear the same from uh, this angle where it seems like it begs the question of who are you shooting? At least in the gangster rap scene, it feels like, there's a clarity in terms of like, okay, this seems like it's internecine gang wars or some some stuff like that. But in the context of a of a cl- clearly white rapper who is uh, talking about upholding the Second Amendment, I'm going to kill you. Uh, I prefer war over peace type of stuff. Then like it seems like there's a there's a 
question of who exactly is this person going to shoot or like is preparing to shoot uh, with the guns that they have. Well, I mean, Karthik, it, Marcus and I kind of talked about like the militarization of, of kind of like this, this gun culture. Um, but I think that's, that's where it's coming from. Uh, you know, we here in the United States, you know, we've had a boogeyman since the inception of this country. You know, there's always a, an other, an existential threat. Um, and in these days, it's, it's the government itself. Uh, we see a lot of these small government libertarian types who have really forced down our, you know, Americans collective throats, this idea that the government's too big and they're going to turn it against us. Um, when in a lot of these instances, they're right. I mean, look at the, you know, I marched the last few summers, uh, you know, I've been shot with less than lethal rounds. I've been gassed. That's the state using violence against the people. But the fact of the matter is, is the, the, the loudest voices saying that the government's going to get us are the ones where the government's not targeting them. Um, you know, these are typically straight, white, conservative evangelicals who, um, have really ratcheted this this othering of people up to 11 and i really believe that is the biggest thing we have to combat uh if we are going to really make a dent in this epidemic of murder that you know people are just going into grocery stores and medical centers and schools and killing people yeah, yeah. I, I mean i think part of the issue you know the time is like yeah. Military and cops were pretty overrepresented when it comes to January 6th, you know, and not that that was like, like some type of attack that had like a lot of guns, you know, there, but, you know, there are other instances, you know, in Michigan, it's legal to carry guns into the state house, and they, you know, there's a lot of people who were, were unafraid to carry in there, you know, and how, how, A, the fact that there's all this weaponry plus body armored, military grade body armor. I mean, hell, they probably got better better equipment than most lance corporals that are, you know. Yeah, fact. Get. Um, and so, yeah, you know this 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 type of just. A, a a culture of saying I need to not only I, I I need to it is my right. Anyone denying this right to me is a threat. You know this that type of belief and that continuing on and being fed. You know this is like this is where it ties into other like just white nationalist ideology. You know where like like the Great Replacement Theory. You know this can get tied into. Um, religious extremism when you're murdering, you know, murdering, uh, abortion, uh, doctors and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 it's basically, you know, this nation where, yeah, a certain group of individuals, especially have this God given right to murder anyone, you know, and have access to the means to murder anyone that is a threat to their dominance. Yeah, I mean, it's it's also not even just a threat to their dominance; it's a threat, a perceived threat to their ideology, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, the the sad thing is, is when you look at people, especially like the New Zealand shooter, um, you know, he produced a manifesto saying, you know, 
you know, buying into the, 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 the great replacement theory and, uh, you know, <laughs> you know, the, the, the other horrible, you know, ideological points he had, but like, we're, we're seeing more and more of these shooters espousing a certain ideology that they feel is being threatened. And most of it is centered around, uh, you know, white supremacy and Christian evangelicalism, um, which they perceive to being under threat, which kills me because, you know, whether we want to argue demographic information or not, uh, you know, the fact of the matter is, you know, whites are still a dominant majority in this country and Christians, you know, Christianity is still the dominant theological threat in this country. So like, how are they under threat? Like, I, I don't understand that kind of mindset. Like you're still on top, dude. Um, you know, mm -hmm. like pipe the fuck down. Yeah, I mean, um, the, the point that you made about the state becoming the threat itself, which is very interesting that like uh, there is a there is a dichotomy here because uh, as they project this fear of like uh, the state's coming for me, et cetera, it seems as if like the Democrat uh, side of the aisle is interested in making sure that that fear is like actualized because you're constantly giving people the impression that you're coming after the guns, et cetera. Like there's a lot of talk about uh, even buybacks and things like that uh, immediately after uh, an incident such as this. And interestingly, um, I guess like this would be a good time to actually play the second track too, which kind of, uh, it's this is from 1970 something, um, and it's uh, by I forgot the name of the band. I should be able to tell you in just about a second. Um, nope, I actually it's called "Don't Let Don't Let Them Take Your Gun," and uh, you'll you'll hear what the thoughts are and uh, what basically they're antagonizing. Oh, people, why don't you come in here and let me talk to you a while? That's right, step right up and listen to a concerned citizen speak his peace. I tell you a little something that my daddy told me. The basic fundamentals if you want to be free. Cause son, there's something wrong internally. So if you want your freedom, son, don't want your country to be The name of the band is Grand Funk Railroad. Um, I didn't even know of them before today. I was just like researching the Second Amendment songs and this was like something very uh, supposedly uh, highly uh, acclaimed Second Amendment song. So uh, what are your thoughts on this? And, uh, you know, uh, talk a little bit about uh, if you want your freedom, if you don't want America to be overrun, if you want America to be number one, uh, then don't let them take your gun. So what are the thoughts that you have on uh, lines like these? I mean, when I hear stuff like this, it drives me nuts because 
America has asserted its dominance in the last 50 years, not through, I mean, I can't really say not through violence because, you know, the United States is constantly at war, but they've really used money. They've, 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 you know, they've weaponized money um, to such an extent that that's, that's where the United States does most of its damage. Um, you know, so like for me, the, the, if you want America to be number one, don't want to take your gun. That's a, that's a fallacy. Um, because, you know, when, when we get down to it, if the United States government did a sweeping like gun ban, um, the state forces, be they the National Guard, uh, local, state and, and federal level law enforcement are going to get them. Um, and then, you know, you'd really see all those bootlicking, you know, blue line, you know, thin blue line people uh, really lose their shit. Um but I mean, and the, and the thing is, the, the United States government would still keep rolling along um, because right now they have the the monopoly on force, as well as the 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 mon- you know the, the the monetary ability to keep rolling, um, which leads us into a whole other you know that's a whole other discussion. But I mean, it's just it's to me, I I don't understand this. Like I like I had mentioned, I own weapons uh you know i started building rifles over covid because i wanted honestly i wanted something to do and something to tinker with so i built two Hmm. but if if the the united states government right now said hey you'd have to submit to like a psychiatric screening you'd have to have a more in-depth background check you'd have to do all this these things in order to keep your 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 uh, privately owned weapons i would gladly do it um if tomorrow they passed a ban on purchasing anymore i would be fine with it you know, um, I, I'm just fed up with seeing kids, uh, you know, dying. Um, and not even just like, you know, school age kids like we saw in Uvalde, you know, but like 18, 19 year old kids that, you know, I had to unfortunately, you know, take flags to their parents where I had to get them on hero flights, uh, you know, from Afghanistan. I'm just tired of seeing kids die uh, for really no fucking reason. Yeah. And I think, you know, going back to the song, you know, and, you know, like I said, it just turns into, you know, like it, it just reminds me that this, this, this country, you know, it, it's never really done anything to deal with the racist history, racist present, you know, um, but that plays out in a different type of way. And like, this part of the thing of like, Someone's coming to take what the white man built, you know, <laughs> which is like, hey, don't take your guns, you know, and like, don't let your country be overrun, you know. It's like it, it's just it's just some some type of absurdity absurdity to be too, especially too when it's like uh, realized in something like the southern border, hmm. you know, where the the people that you know lived that do live in places Texas, Arizona, California, you know, like that they were Mexican and the border moved, you know? Yeah. Like that's like so this so in some of these cases it's like it it there's no there's real no there's no historical uh grounding in some of this, you know, oh our country's being over you know, like that and and then in a lot of cases too, or like the expansion through genocide and imperialism, you know, it, it it is just this 
you know, fear rooted in in in, in racism um, that can be played out, and that's where too of like the availability, the manufacturing. Because the thing is that that really doesn't get talked about, right? Is the business aspect of this? Yes, is that yeah. that the United States? Yes, yeah, the United States is weapons manufacturer and you know oil and gas company and big pharma in a trench coat. <laughs> And, you know, and that trench coat is the Pentagon, <laughs> you know, that's what, it, that's what allows it to go out into society and just keep fucking moving along. Um, and, you know, the, the fact is that the guns are going to be, they're being produced, they're being fucking sold, you know, they're out there. Um, and I guess, you know, and like, actually, too, I'm going to try and um, I'll open up the calls as well um, as to like, what, what does it look like, you know? How do we a, get get to a, a safe society? You know where guns do exist, um, but uh, you know, and what does that actually kind of look like? You know, are there just no guns around? Is that something that seems plausible? Um, and I guess I don't know. I guess I'll just go first. <laughs> but um, for me, you know, there's a lot of different. I'd say for gun owners. Um, I just try and make sure that a, you know, like things like mental health and depression are things that they're aware of as like natural human conditions that when mixed with firearms are a very, very bad scenario. Um, so locking up weapons, you know, there's a lot of countries that do have these requirements to make sure you have gun safes, gun locks, you know, that type of you know, personal responsibility, well, in a large scale, it's not going to do much um, for the people that you may know in your in your life. It's it's done something for people that I know, <laughs> you know, who may have had problems and they've removed guns out of their household. And that only comes with a talk before, you know, so, you know, people start getting into the bad way. Um, I don't think, yeah, there's going to be any type, like, I don't think this government would pass any type of, like, widespread, you know, sweep of, you know, taking back guns or anything like that. Um, but at the end of the day, there needs to be a community that's built where, you know, if you want to train on guns, it's fine. You know, there may, you know, there may, and there may be some type of, you know, community locked, <laughs> you know, or armory, right, where, um, people can, you know, access those things for trading. And if something's going on, right, if there's some type of threat, you know, they, they can be repelled. But um, I don't see this type of personal ownership um, as something that I would like to see in in regular life in, you know, my utopia or whatever. Um, so, yeah, that's that's, that's my take. Yeah, I mean, I understand that completely, Marcus, and I think I would like to see actual training programs implemented in order for you to purchase a weapon system, right? But this is where we get into that business aspect again. Um, what do you think the government would do, whether it's state or federal? They would outsource it to private companies, uh, and those private companies would charge outlandish fees. They would make a ton of money. Um, and essentially, they would become a rubber stamp the way a lot of these concealed carry co uh, courses are that are, you know, maybe 16 hours, you know, eight hours each day for two days um, where you maybe shoot for 40 minutes. That's not real training. Um, you know, so like you're um, you're, you're looking at something like that. 
but like for me, you know, I like to hunt, uh, but I would not be averse to like, if I'm going to go hunting, I go down to like the local, you know, public armory and sign out my, my weapon and, and, you know, go bag a deer. Um, I, I am honestly open to anything to ensure that we are not having this, this rampant issue, um, where people are needlessly being murdered, um, by, by, you know, people who have a twisted political ideology and they think that by murdering these people, um, that they're, they're furthering that somehow. Um, you know, and I, I'd also, I would also say that, you know, we need to do a better job of talking about the history of, of private gun ownership. Uh, like you had mentioned, Marcus, like we haven't tackled how racist this country is down to its very core. Um, you know, we haven't talked about how, uh, you know, the weapons that the state uses against the people, like, you know, the first state police was founded in Pennsylvania and it was specifically founded to break striking coal miners. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, we, we need to start teaching these things, um, to, to children, uh, rather than having assholes like Ron DeSantis pass sweeping bills, uh, to where legislators get to pick what's put into books, uh, that are then given to, to students in, in that state. Yeah. And, uh, and I think that like, uh, there is a, there is also like a kind of, uh, to touch on something that you said earlier. Um, I have a question about, uh, the fact that the, the disarming of uh, citizens does not often include like the disarming of the, the police force itself, which, which I think is like a very instrumental uh, central factor to the reason why um, even the, even the, the ones who are adamant about like gun ownership, like, you know, get off my lawn types uh, are kind of insistent on gun ownership because of the extent to which the police itself has been militarized and, uh, uh, we don't have a way around it. So it seems like there has to be like a, an arms race almost uh, between like civilians and uh, the, the, the police forces. Um, so uh, that's also something that we'll have to think about. And, he, and I find that like even even in all of the multiple proposals of like, you know, de-escalation de as far as like gun ownership is concerned, uh, they don't really talk about uh, disarming the, the police or like reducing the, the, the kind of, uh, weaponry that the police have um, at all. And that's never a topic of conversation. And without that, I don't even think there is a possibility to even meaningfully disarm, right? Like, what do you have to say about that? I mean, I agree with you uh, quite a bit. Like, we, that 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 conversation needs to happen uh, because if you disarm the people, the, the police need to be disarmed as well. Um, and as, But it goes back to that business aspect that Marcus had talked about. You know, police departments... Um, you know, there, there was a, an independent journalist that kind of crunched the numbers. And if you looked at the top 10 countries with the highest uh, spending on, on military weaponry, the United States police departments would be third in the world. Right. Like that is yeah, absolutely yeah. nuts. Which, and and uh, so that, uh, that's from uh, Spry, it's like SPRI. Um, but if, which is, it gets worse. Um, and then we should probably jump into these calls. <laughs> um because just policing is uh, like number three, right? It's the United States, um, China, and then the United States police 
policing apparatus would be the third highest expenditure for the military, right, in the world. If you incorporate incarceration, it actually beats China. So the United States is kind of like one and two all the same. So um, if you guys are good, we'll jump into the calls. Um, first up, law, maybe librarian, but yep, we got the yeah. unmute. Thanks for calling in. What's up? Yeah, you're welcome, librarian here. Uh, thanks for this conversation. I, I do want to speak to your question, Marcus, about like what safety is and also maybe bring up what Karthik discussed earlier about Democrats wanting to take guns, right? I Okay, so I'm an abolitionist and, you know, my, my reluctance in more gun laws, right? If we think about the state, like Mac discussed, as, um, you know, historically racist, right? So it's like more laws are increased or more laws are passed, right? Who who are these laws typically used against? Right? Black and indigenous people, right? So it seems like a convenient way to disarm those populations, number one. And then number two, like to what Karthik said about Democrats, you know, just really... <laughs> Um, playing into the right hands about wanting to take people's guns, right? I think it's important to note, like, just how their response always involves some form of carcerality, right? I mean, right now, it seems like a really good opportunity where Republicans are talking about mental health. It seems like a really great opportunity to pitch universal, universal access to mental health care at the least, right? So... Yeah, when we're talking about safety and security, like it seems like giving people access to healthcare is one of the ways to do it, right? Um, but you know, I'll leave it there. Thanks, y'all, for the conversation. No, and I think that's a, like a great point, and it touches on you know kind of some of the, like we talked about prior was is the fact that suicides are about half of the gun deaths in the United States, and you know. There, I think there is a fair argument to be made that if guns didn't exist, there would be less suicides, right? The, the mechanism um, makes a difference. Um, and, you know, failure rate, all that, right? Um, but at the end of the day, you would still likely have the same amount of people who are attempting or seriously thinking, seriously considering, you know, harming themselves so that's something that still needs to be dealt with you know whether guns exist or not and i agree with you you know as far as a political play you know i think that would be (laughs) it would a you know it'd be something different and it would be a more stark contrast to the bullshit that they're trying to spew well, I mean, let's let's face it. Democrats have no interest in actually governing. What they want to do is throw out a lot of hot talking points that are priorities for the regular people of this country, like gun control, health care, um, you know, uh, living wage. You get a couple of them that will grasp on that, fundraise off of it and then have zero intention of ever doing anything about them. Um you know, whether we, you know, whether it's admitted or not, the Democrats have, like I said, they have no interest in actually government uh, or governing 
or implementing any kind of useful legislation. You know, uh, at this point, I actually sent uh, Marcus a screenshot of this, I think. Uh, Donald Trump said something about, uh, I, f I feel like this was after the Texas shooting um, and, the, and of course, the Buffalo one the week prior, uh, where he said uh, the answer to this is not less guns, but more guns. Um, and I, I mean, like the, the way he framed it uh, might might be like questionable in, in a lot of ways. But I feel like in I mean, logically speaking, aren't we at that point? Because we are kind of agreeing um, on the fact that like there will not be legislation that actually uh, sensibly legislates like gun ownership, uh, which means that like we're kind of in, in, a, in a scenario similar to how, you know, vaccination was not able to be uh, effectively carried out so that like all the. The entire electorate could get vaccinated. Um, I feel like it's going to come down to a point where you can't like federally legislate uh, gun ownership, and therefore we have to kind of leave it up to either a the states. I don't know if the states can you know supersede the Second Amendment like that. Uh, and secondly, uh, it's going to be left down to like community level organizing um, around like gun ownership and like you know uh, the emergence of maybe like more organized. Um, I, I hate to use this word, but I guess like uh, militias or like uh, community uh, gun clubs or something like that, that like have more of a, of a sensibility and an awareness that uh, makes people uh, handle the weapons with a lot more care and like be able to catch these kind of like uh, transgressions, et cetera, before they happen. I don't know. I mean, like, but, but in my mind, I feel like uh, there is no political solution for it uh, or legislative solution for it, at least. Um, and in fact, like, I mean, it's, it just like concerns me that a guy like Trump at this point has like a message that makes more sense from a common sense standpoint that uh, the answer to this is clearly not going to be less guns because it's not going to be legislated that way. And secondly, if it's not if there's not going to be any policy that reduces the number of guns, then the people who are vulnerable need to become more prepared uh, for this scenario of like uh, domestic terror slash um, just, uh, yeah, domestic terror and mass shootings and stuff like that. Well, I mean, uh, Karthik, we've, I've worked with a couple of really good groups. Um, you know, Socialist Rifle Association is, it really leans into gun safety, uh, does a lot of training. And I've also worked with the Huey P. Newton Gun Club, uh, which is an amazing organization uh, that essentially, you know, is a gun safety group uh, that is leaning into starting social local social programs uh, the way that the Panthers did in the sixties and seventies. Um, so, I mean, there, there's some out there. The issue is though, is especially if we're speaking from the left um, where there are groups that have villainized, uh, you know, private gun ownership, like how, you know, it, it's, it's rough to figure out how we bridge that um, to make, uh, groups like that more, I guess, central to certain, I guess, uh, party, you know, uh, party is the wrong word, but like organizational planks, um, you know, and, and honestly, I don't have a good answer for that. I wish I did. Um, but I mean, there there are some groups out there that are that are trying uh, to, to really teach, you know, gun safety, how to properly handle, how to properly maintain, uh, how to properly handle uh, the weapons. So, I mean, they're, they're out there. It's just they're they're not large. Yeah, and the ever important lesson of not shooting your eye out. Um, <laughs> next up, <laughs> Doc. Oh, no. come back, Doc. 
you know, be able to call us again. Way too long, or if something is just a little glitchy here. Um, but I guess, yeah, like, yeah, we could yeah. we could take this time to maybe play some play something. Uh, we got a couple of more songs. Oh yeah, Doc's back, so we can answer that. Oh, okay, cool. oh man, well, I don't know. I feel like this thing. Although, and this is one thing that just popped in my head. Um, and I just like the song because it's a you know song that was popular when I was younger. So uh, it's a Nas got yourself a gun. You got yourself a gun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got yourself a Yo, gun. Yo, I'm living in this time behind enemy lines, so I got mine. I hope you got yourself a gun. You from the hood? I hope you got yourself a gun. You want beef? Hope you got yourself a gun. And when I see you, I'ma take what I want. So you try to front? Hope you got yourself a gun. You ain't real. Hope you. First album had no famous guest appearances. The outcome, I'm crowned the best services. Many years on this professional level. What would you question who's better? The world is still mine. Tattoos real with godson across the belly. The balls are rap. You saw me in belly with thoughts like that. To take it back to Africa, I did it with Biggie. Me and Tupac were soldiers of the same struggle. You lame to huddle, your team shook. Y'all feel the wrath of a killer. Cause this is my football field. Um... Right, and I just like that song because it was dope. But um, and I think Doc is in here now. But that's the thing too; it's like that's just the chorus about guns. You know, the song really isn't all that. But all right, Doc, unmute in the bottom right. What's up? Thanks for calling. Yeah, peace and blessings, everyone. Uh, from my standpoint, uh, kind of my take on gun ownership is that uh, you know, from my experiences in Afghanistan, it's like they're every household was allowed to have an AK to protect themselves. So we would do checkpoints and search locals. We wouldn't mind, you know, they had, you know, AKs, but if they had, you know, uh, a, um, you know, a either revolver or a handgun, that's, that was the indicator that, you know, they were uh, higher ups or, you know, they would go out and carry out um, targeted assassinations that way. And kind of the culture over there is like, yeah, definitely, you know, you have a handgun, you're, you know, you're the one that's kind of taking out people that way. And so for me, it's like, I feel like everyone should be allowed to be issued a, 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 a you know, AR-15. Why not at this point? Because the cops are not going to save us. I mean, there's, you know, the shooting that happened today at the hospital. There was a shooting at, in L.A. just breaking right now at a school. And so I feel like everyone should be issued, an, you know, a weapon by the government. You take your registered, you, you take classes and, you know, you're accountable that way. That would scare the shit out of a lot of folks. Cause, and that's where, too, like... Um... You know, one thing we haven't been able to hit on is that, uh, what is it? Is it Switzerland? I think it is. And there's some like gun, you know, like gun, you know, the gun nuts will talk about, oh, the fucking gun, uh, gun ownership and, you know, this other country is so high or just as high or whatever. But no, there are like hoops that go, jump through it. But then also, too, of like, there are aspects of the, like, society, you know, that some of these right wingers want to coincide with, i.e., the amount of white people to, to, to non white people ratio. Um, but there's 
there's something there that does, you know, or at least there's something that exists in the United States, i.e. the just general mistrust of every single person that walks around you, unless they're like saying the exact same thing that you agree with. Um, yeah, that type of broader community. <laughs> um, I don't know, you know, that just might kick it off, you know. But like the prime example of that would be like during the, you know, the George Floyd protests was the no fucking around coalition. You know, they were the first ones to really kind of show up heavily armed. Um, there has been, you know, a couple of times where they had misfires happen, but uh, they were quick to, you know, close down that group, um, you know, trying to say that, oh, they're, you know, targeting feds or pointing their weapons at the feds. Um, Prime example would be, would have been one of the protests they did uh, for Breonna Taylor in Kentucky, and so it, it, it kind of just goes to show the 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 hypocrisy here that you know white people can be heavily armed, but you know God forbid you know anyone else have guns they're quick to uh, you know take them away. You know here in California, how you're speaking on you know Reagan passing those laws in response to the Black Panthers. And I believe just recently the, the state Supreme Court kind of struck that down. And so um, it's just uh, right now it's kind of up in the air. But during the start of the pandemic, even out here, everyone was buying up uh, bullets. There was a bullet shortage because, you know, they're, they're called to action in a sense, you know, the, you know, big government might be coming in, so you might as well buy everything up. So it just kind of, it's just kind of telling that how this story keeps on repeating itself year every year. Well, I mean, Doc, I, yeah. I agree that we should have, like, I, I, am, I am for, honestly, community defense groups. I, I think, and this is just me spitballing, and Marcus, if I get going a little too long, tell me to shut up. Um, but I, I believe that we need to start, like, a people's guard, uh, one that keeps cops out of communities, uh, because they have shown cops have done nothing but demonstrate that they are detrimental to people's safety. They don't solve crime. They don't deter crime. They don't do shit um, except murder unarmed people of color. Like we've seen that happen. Right. Um, but to to go with with these community defense groups, you would need a very strong training apparatus. Um, and, and that is something that would be a full-time job. Well, how would we go about, like we on the left, how would we go about funding that? Um, I think that is going to be, you know, or that that would be the hardest part of implementing these community defense groups um, because you can't just give everybody a, a rifle um, and, or a pistol and expect them to be able to use it effectively. Um, but again, you know, like that's that's me. Um, you know, I, I know a lot of people on the left have very different ideas than that. Um, but I'm at the point in my life, uh, you know, I'm a father and I want my kids to at least have a decent place to grow up. And I think that is going to involve more and more of us, um, taking matters into our own hands in our communities, uh, because the state has shown that they have no, um, inclination to actually do right by the people. Who, uh, Doc, do you have anything to add? Because I feel like we have another caller now after you. Just a quick, uh, 100% agree. And that's where, you know, they try to recruit a lot of the leftist veterans. Unfortunately, 
uh, for us being, you know, former Imperial grunts, we're kind of ostracized by all sides and a lot of people get pulled towards the right because that's the place really where they kind of uh, get validation from who their experiences and what they did. And, you know, at least, you know, someone's willing to, you know, try to bring you within a, a certain sense of community, but, you know, in a false sense, unfortunately, but that's definitely where there's an opportunity there to be able to bring in, you know, um, leftist veterans, but hundred percent map. All right, uh, Doc, thank you for calling in. Um, well, I guess you should uh, step aside. Yeah, great. We can take the next caller, which is who is uh, little Lisa Simpson. Uh, Marcus, you are on too. I've just taken the call. Yeah, and what's up? Thanks for calling in. Hello. Happy Wednesday. Um, when I'm thinking about uh, like militant leftist groups, I have pretty mixed feelings because at least in my area, like the SRA is chock-a-block full of sex pests. And I... So I, I, I don't know. But then I also like the Brown Berets chapter um, or group near me is fucking outstanding. And so I just think that like, how do you, how do we make it so like militant leftist spaces aren't places where like you just um, become victim to sex crimes or you get entrapped by the feds. <laughs> like those are my two biggest concerns when it comes to more militant left leftist spaces. And like, I don't want to overgeneralize. That's definitely not all spaces out there, but those are the concerns I have. But on the other hand, like what I think, when I think about militant leftist groups, the benefits I see can be huge. And like my kind of pie dream is um, I live in California and Basically, there was like a federal circuit court ruling out here um, called Martin v. Boise that basically says like it's an Eighth Amendment violation to make someone on like a, a unhoused person on public land leave um, without providing them alternate accommodation. So basically, like cops can't kick homeless folks off public land without providing alternate accommodation, which they basically never do. They kind of cover their asses and pretend it to but they don't so when i think about like the power of like what an armed left could do is like we could just go do a little bit of direct land reform and like use use a tax map see where public tracts of land are land is and just go and take some take some land and build a community for homeless people where they can live and not rats just at least in the area i'm living in one of the biggest problems in my region. So I, I don't know, I'm kind of of two minds when it comes to militancy on the left, especially when we're thinking about guns. But the other worry I have right now is like, it feels like, like who, like, it just seems like the gun manufacturers are winning. <laughs> like, 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 I forget who said it previously, but just the your guns now before the government comes and takes them, like, that benefits the gun manufacturers every time there's, like, mass gun violence in this country. 
And I worry sometimes that that's getting co-opted by the left as well as the right, but I don't really know what the answer to that is. I don't expect any of you to have like the perfectly formulated answer for it. But those are just kind of my thoughts on gun control and gun violence right now in the climate we have. Yeah, I think um, with one thing with it, uh, when it talks about like militancy um, and <laughs> militancy groups on the left, I think there is a issue that, that you really have to be strict as far as like, there's no planning out in public. Yeah, you know. Yeah, you could talk about ideas and stuff like that, but it's like none of this is really going to happen unless you're in a group of people who you, you know, look at and physically look at, talk to, you know, because like none of this planning for any type of real like military operation can happen that anything with plugs in, right? You got to use a yep. mouse. <laughs> um, <laughs> so. So that's one thing I'd say. It's like you got anybody that's out there saying, "Hey, we're gonna do this and we're gonna plan to do that, right? That like that's that's fed shit." Um, hmm. And don't you know? Don't like it's it's it, that's not that's not hot. That's not like really like what it is. Um, that's a very very serious thing, you know. And then like you talk about like militant action against you know like in like anti-war sense, you know, it's not it can, it's not just a oh, hey, you know, let's put out a fucking YouTube video and then set a date and then, like, let's do this thing, you know? Um, but there's... In, in, in my head, yeah, you know, at the end of the day, there's going to be a mix, you know? Um, there's, like, levels, I guess, to the actions that people are going to be willing to do. Um, the, the material conditions are going to drive that in a lot of senses. Um, and so having just an organization that's really to meeting people where they are ideology, ideologically, ideologically, sorry about that. Um, and, and, and kind of walking them down that path, because at the end of the day, you know, if you read someone like, uh, Andrew's mom, uh, how to blow up an oil pipeline, you know, we don't have much time, you know, not just talking about like creating a greater society, having a society at all right we're running out of time so uh, speaking of which uh, marcus before uh, i guess like you're, you're gonna have to leave in a little bit but uh, before you head out like uh, i wanted to speaking of community defense and uh, organization and whatnot like basically uh, there's the, nobody nobody did it better than the black panther party and uh, we have a song that uh, we'll close out all the songs for the night with this one so before you head out can you play this song yeah, this is Elaine, correct? Yeah, this is Elaine Brown. This is uh, one of the Black Panthers themselves. And uh, this was an album that came out, I believe, in 1967 or something like that, um, called Seize the Time. And the song is called The End of Silence. Yeah, and before we play, uh, I do want to thank Mac. Uh, Mac, any, any final thoughts? And thank you, Whitless and Stevenson, for calling in as well. Yeah, I mean, uh, I get where Lisa's coming from. Uh, we, I mean, we have had a rash of leftist organizations that have honestly been infected with, like, you know, she mentioned fucking sexual predators. We've had people who um, openly racist, but they're leftists. You know what I mean? Like, 
the, the hard part of what we're going to do, whether it's it's militant or not, if we want to get the left to continue, I guess, kind of gathering steam into a, a movement that will work is we, we have to do a better job of vetting some of these people. Um, you know, I don't have a good answer as to how, um, <laughs> like I wish I did, uh, but like we, we have to get better at it. Um, but, you know, Marcus, again, thank you so much for letting me come on and, and be a part of this. I think this is an important uh, conversation that needs to be had, um, you know, and, uh, you know, Marcus, I agree with you as well. This isn't something we can, if we're talking about militanc militancy, we, this is not something we need to be doing over like YouTube videos or, you know, <laughs> like we, this, is a small, <laughs> this is a small group of people that we need to get together uh, and, and like you said, conduct this, this discussion face to face, but, you know, Karthik again, uh, as well. Thank you. Uh, I appreciate it. It was great meeting you. Uh, and it was great getting room to hang out with everybody today. That's a cry to live when your brain is dead, made your body hair tremble so, and have unseen chains. Of too many years Hurt you so bad till you can't shed tears Have so many vows From so many mouths Made you know That words are just words Well then believe it my friend That this silence can end We'll just have to get guns and be men You know that dignity Not just equality what makes a man a man And so you laugh at laws Passed by a silly lot They tell you to give thanks For what you've already got And you can't go on With this time-worn song That just won't change the way you feel Well, you believe it, my friend That this silence can end We'll just have to get guns and be men All right, thank you all so much for listening in. We will be back this Friday for another episode of Revolutionary Tracks. And we are out.